This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Does the big screen still have a big future? When they want to watch a, a certain type of programming, something that's longer form, a movie, um, an episode or a TV show with, with, with better animation, I naturally see them gravitate towards the larger screens in the house. That's John Cohen, Senior Vice President of Business Development and Distribution at Frequency, where they believe there is space on a couch to look up from the phone. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Overtime is one of the modern content providers, altering what's happening on the court for young basketball stars and, of course, how they interact with their fan base. Frequency is working with them and others to find space in that crowded sports content ecosystem. Our guest this week is John Cohen. He's the Senior Vice President of Business Development and Distribution at Frequency, which is a cloud-based video platform that delivers channels to over 250 million connected TVs, and they just recently announced a partnership with the next-gen sports brand, Overtime. Hey, John, how are you? Good. Good. Thank you for having me. All right. Tell me a little bit about Frequency. What's the background of the company, and and what do you guys do? Frequency's been around about 11 years, and for the last three, we've been focused on building out this software platform, which we call Frequency Studio. Uh, which is designed for media rights holders, content providers, distributors uh, to create, distribute, and monetize 24-7 linear channels. These channels are literally, um, you have a clock, you know, morning to evening, you're scheduling programming, you have the ability to cut to live. We have all the requisite ad um, technology that's integrated into this whole workflow, and these channels are distributed and viewed by the consumer just like what you would have on a traditional satellite or MSO. So is this like you've removed the control room and turned that you are the control room for all of these different potential brands? We are a internet version of a master control. That's (laughs) correct. We bring the power of the channel and the management of that channel um, to someone's fingertips over the internet. Okay, so take me through the kind of the maturation of the company, kind of where you started, what it looked like, and where you've gotten to now where you have this platform. Yeah, great. Thank you. So the company started actually in the direct-to-consumer space. Um, our CEO and founder had sold um, the company. He was the CEO of iFilm to Viacom. And there was this huge trend in social media, social video, YouTube, and a bunch of other trends. And uh, the company built a direct-to-consumer application that was on Samsung connected televisions, all the early early platforms, and was aggregating content. And the and the premise of the company actually was to 
create these personalized channels that you can subscribe to. So, for example, if you had a channel that had interest around music, I could subscribe to your channel and aggregate all this music content, for example, if that's what it was about, and connecting users and creating your own hub. Um, not dissimilar from where Frequency is today with these linear channels, but that model wasn't going to scale, and there were a bunch of issues with obtaining the content, and it was a jungle. But um, the company built this really robust, robust platform for ingesting content over the internet, managing it, and doing a bunch of things around it. So the company pivoted to working with big pay TV operators like Liberty Global, which is a big outfit in, in Western Europe and other parts of Latin America owned by John Malone. Um, we worked with DirecTV. And what we did was we aggregated a lot of short form made for digital content, packaged that up and deliver it into the set-top boxes of these, um, of these big operators who really had no focus on that type of content. They were more focused around linear, obviously, and VOD. And, you know, there were some, while the notion was, was smart, I don't think there was going to be any scale for the content providers in terms of revenue. So we were again at a crossroads. And I joined the company um, almost four and a half years ago. And I had done some, some you know, uh, I was at Hulu. I was at GoPro. Um, I had been working with the people at Pluto TV um, as an advisor. And we saw all these trends. Um, in that marketplace, and we said, well, why not build a platform? We think this fast, which is the free ad-supported TV stuff, is going to grow. Why don't we build a platform for the content providers and the distributors to create these types of ex- these linear experiences, and let's put the whole let the whole ranch on that? So, yeah. for the last three years, we've built out this platform for the linear use case. Um, and it's been growing great, and we're we're growing quite a bit. So okay. that's a little bit of our three, the three generations of the company. Okay, so let's let, let's talk about the creation of the content for the linear space. And as you know, everyone's going to tell you that the younger generations aren't going to watch it or consume it that way, which may or may not be true. Um, how do you kind of think through how a younger generation of fans or just viewers? are going to um, engage with content. Okay. So the example that I like to give, let's let's use The Office as an example. It's got a large fan base, young to old, right? Older, I don't want to put old. Yep. But um, if you're watching The Office at this point, you may just be an Office fan and you want to watch whatever's on The Office, whatever episode from whatever season is playing, right? So if I saw an Office lean back channel, a linear channel on Peacock and whatever episode's airing, I might watch it. I don't have to go through the VOD section and go, Oh, season six, episode four, <laughs> when Mike huh? did this, that's not the point of that. It's a type of, of program that you'll watch what's on at any time. If you're watching, you know, euphoria, which I'm sure a lot of people, young people like to do these days. I want to watch season two, episode one that premiered last Sunday. Well, you're going to go through a traditional VOD, you know, experience, find that episode and watch. That's pretty easy to do. Netflix and all the other subscription services normalize how to do that, that hierarchy. But there's a lot of programming. You just want to watch what's on. Pluto TV, which is one of the largest fast platforms, one of their most fan-friendly channels was Mystery Science Theater 3000, the whole <laughs> channel. No, right? Like, I watched that as a kid. Nobody, maybe that ages me, but nobody 
cared about what was what episode was on. They were all basically the same. So whatever was airing on Mystery Science Theater 3000 at 6 p.m. on a Thursday is what people were going to watch. So it really is about the programming, the type of programming. And in this in this ad-supported world, a lot of it's library, right? A lot of it's library. So it's not current. So you're, it's, there's the element of just tuning in to whatever's being played. So, um, and as these platforms get larger with their reach and exclusive programming and other things, people will, younger audiences, I believe, will start to um, understand that. Now, whether they, they love ads, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast we could have, but um, they'll, the experience will be um, front and center for them. Mystery Science Theater was ahead of its time. It was, <laughs> it was, it was. It was Twitter personified in a television show way, way, way ahead of its time. It was a great, great, and, great and, show. And, you know, they're still making money off of it. Uh, I bet they are. It was a genius television program. It was. Okay. All right. Then how about the other part of it, which is that you hear this a million times, but young people aren't going to watch TV. They're going to look at everything on their phone. How do you kind of think through that in, in the future of content production? You know, I have two young daughters and, you know, the smaller screen is certainly the primary screen when they want to watch Disney plus movie in Kanto, they're, they get in front of the living room. They get in front of the television. Um, I think that for some of the more snackable content, um, you know, that they're watching and other things and it's just like downtime when they want to watch a, a certain type of programming, something that's longer form, a movie, um, an episode or a TV show with, with, with better animation, I naturally see them gravitate towards the larger screens in the house. Yep. And um, when they're going to be doing that, right, with their, you know, they're not quite sports fans yet where they're tuning into anything, but that's certain that audience is certainly going to be going into the larger screens. And then they're going to discover all the adjacent services that they already know and love, whether it's Netflix or HBO or Amazon, Hulu, and then the free ad-supported services, which are going to be there. So, and, and I mean, just look at YouTube. YouTube growth in connected TV is one of the fastest growing segments of YouTube's monetization and audience. And there's a huge commitment from them to be on CTV. And I think it's directly related to um, younger audiences um, shifting their engagement or adding additional engagement beyond the smaller screen. So what you're basically saying is, because everyone seems to think that everything is going to smaller and smaller screens that are sitting in your pocket, you're suggesting that that's a false narrative, that all size screens will still matter. Yes, they will definitely still matter. Uh, generate, and you listen, with, with COVID and, and shifting to, the ship to school and, and, and into the home, sure. Uh, everybody's gotten more comfortable on, on smaller screens, and that will continue to be a trend. There will be no shortages of iPhones and iPads and other smaller form factors, but content will still be distributed at scale on the TVs, and I believe there will always be types of programming that will um, have a very large audience for all generations um, in the living room on the larger television. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, let's talk about the partnership with Overtime. Um, what are you doing with them? Uh, Overtime, you know, obviously has built up a, a massive audience, produced a lot of content. They aggregate a lot of content. They have a league now that they're running. And Overtime made a commitment to create, getting into the free ad-supported TV space, creating a channel. And we are partnering with Overtime to create that channel and help them um, get it out in front of consumers all across the distribution spectrum. And they're an interesting test case of everything that we've just talked about here. Really, they started creating snackable, really mobile-first content to building out what appears to be longer-form, don't-you-want-to-watch-the-game-on-the-big-screen type material, right? Yep. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, they, they have the belief, and I agree with their hypothesis, that their audience which are a loyal audience and a coveted audience will follow them to where their content is being distributed, um, regardless of the size or the format. Um, they can message to that audience through their huge social audience. They watch the overtime linear channel here. Um, and I think that there's a good, healthy amount of those users which have access to those devices, which will go follow them. And I mean, I think if you, if you really look at it, from the macro industry perspective, advertisers, <clears throat> they're used to spending money on Google, of course, and all over social media, and, and they, they put their dollars behind that content. But they're also trying to recreate um, spending their media um, against TV. And TV happens on television, right? That's still the, there's this old school methodology, but you get longer, um, audience engagement. There's a lot of core metrics and value around those eyeballs on, on television. So the fact that Overtime can now talk to their advertisers and, and those who purchase media and talk about this program 20 channel that's basically akin to what a cable channel is and start selling those impressions and that audience, I believe will be very valuable to Overtime's um, growth from a revenue perspective. That's a really interesting kind of broader picture thing too because as you know the the running theories are you have to go where the viewers are and you have to find them over time and, and some others are suggesting they'll actually come to us even if we go somewhere else we don't have to go to tiktok to find them or youtube or instagram or wherever once we build that audience and we say come over here with us they will um is it do you think that's an accurate perception absolutely. of brands I mean, yeah absolutely i think the the commitment that overtime has made to developing a relationship with an audience in a very authentic way um in a in the in the genres that they focus on them leveraging that audience and the trust that they have and being able to say here's a new 
here's a new channel, here's a new format for us, come see it. I think they've earned that that trust. And it's really <clears throat> up to Overtime and its partners to put their best effort forward and continue using an authentic voice, being and curating the content, putting and learning about what the audience wants to see. You'll have different trends, right? Like, are you going to have a primetime block now on your on your linear channel as opposed to when you're on social media? It's really about a race to getting all the content published in a timely fashion and doing everything else. Here, it's just a different programming mentality um, for whatever audience. And they're also going to pick up new audience. There may be a certain segment of the, of the population that has an interest in this content that maybe isn't uh, phone first, or social media first, and sees overtime. And they're going to watch overtime on their TVs and maybe not be as engaged on on the phone. So it's, it's, I think it's a virtuous cycle all the way around. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think for a while there, it always was the brand, but there were a limited amount of platforms where the brands could be. Now there's these unlimited amount of options and platforms for lack of a better word. And everyone seemed to think, well, you better find the people that are on the platforms. You're saying it might be reversing course a little bit here that the brand will hold the power over whichever platform they end up on. And in most cases, they'll be on a lot of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the internet has democratized the distribution of content, right? And you've got different models, whether it's ad supported subscription and everything else in the world. We're so, we're so trained to think about, well, who spends the most money on content? You've got your Netflixes and, and Disney's and Amazon's and, and all the traditional media companies that are on, on, on traditional linear spending billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, that's on, on, on live sports, news, and other scripted programming or unscripted programming. But now you've got this whole generation of digital-first brands that really know how to build audience. And what do the media companies do? How many times have media companies tried to acquire or have acquired internet-friendly branches they're trying to get younger or they're trying to get learn how to um, be a brand-friendly um, company or do those things. And it just says there's not always a natural pairing, but here you've got all these folks stepping up into, um, you know, connected televisions and other platforms. And they really know how to, um, they have a secret sauce and a winning formula with respect to how to attract an audience and keep them right. Customer acquisition and retention are the two hardest, two of the hardest and most expensive things to do in the content distribution space. And these folks have been doing it, uh, on the internet, which is really, really competitive. Yeah, it's really interesting. John Cohen is the Senior Vice President, Business Development and Distribution at Frequency. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. On the next Future Sport Podcast, we'll get a closer look at how teams work with providers to capture more of their market share. From the very beginning, that was one of the things that was most intriguing to, to us about esports is it's essentially the first digital first, um, you know, sports that, that, that's come about where everything else in the past has been linear. So I, I, I think that's, that's, the, that's the big difference between the generations. And, you know, Rick touched on the delivery that you can give for these generations, these younger generations in particular, expect all the content and information to, to be there at their fingertips when they want it, where they want it. They also expect how they want it. You know, so I think, to Rick's point earlier, personalization is, is also a big part of this. That's Grant Hastings, Senior Vice President at Monumental Sports and Entertainment. 
He'll join video streaming platform ViewLift and their CEO, Rick Allen, to discuss the modern content plays. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.